What's up, guys? It's Mike from the Area Tech Podcast, and it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful day here. At least in Oklahoma City, I can't speak for the rest of the country and around the world, but uh, hopefully, it's going well. Nonetheless, follow us, uh, follow the show on air on, on air, follow the show on Twitter at Air Raid Podcast. My own. Uh, Twitter on air with Mike. Of course, all major podcast platforms. You can listen to the show. But uh, without further ado, it's an honor to have Miss Sarah Jury back on, or not back on, but on the show. Um, if you guys do know a little about the self, it was a Indiana teacher that was, uh, in my opinion, wrongfully terminated due to the fact that. Uh, word get out that she had a OnlyFans account and uh, we know how the media is in my personal opinion on the media so uh, these day and age you can't trust a lot of news media outlets anymore but that's not for that's the topic for a whole another day and not to bring in politics so anyway first things first we're going to get the story from the actual person herself we're going to hear it live and get the real the real scoop because everybody has their own side of story Miss Sarah Jury Miss Sarah welcome to the podcast and it's an honor to have you on tonight. Thank you, Mike. I'm excited to be on and you are right. The media really can spin some stories. <laughs> and so that's why I do like going on podcasts because I feel like I get to really humanize myself, mm-hmm. take myself out from being just a headline and talk about my story of what happened and what what's transpired in the last six months. So thank you for having me on. Hey, my pleasure. Thank you for, uh, you know, taking the time out of your busy schedule and, and coming on and talking. And, you know, first things first, you know, let's go <clears throat> literally – I know some of it, you know, going back to real quick, use me. I think I read four or five articles just to kind of do some research and for the show and uh, different stories. It's kind of it's kind of entertaining how everything's all it's all different. But anyway, uh, your side of it. Let's go all the way back to literally, you know, from my understanding, um, there was, uh, you know, a blogger or whatever, Um you know, did his own thing and kind of leaked the word out, kind of email. I think I believe he emailed the the district and kind of that's where I started the, the Rocky uh, Mountain Drive, if you will. But uh, kind of tell us from day one where this had transpired and kind of talk, go back all the way from the very beginning. Okay, I love it. So to just give you a little background, I've been a teacher about 20 years. Very and, nice. um, you know, uh, in my life, I ended up uh, getting a divorce and becoming a single mom. And uh, I was a single mom on a teacher salary, which you know, I think most people mm-hmm. do, that teachers don't make a lot of money. No, especially here in Oklahoma, they definitely Yeah, same, same in Indiana. Now, I was lucky. <laughs> I was working for as a contract employee for the state. And essentially, I ran field trips. So teachers would bring their classes to our program. And it was my job to get the kids interested in science, technology, engineering, and math. So I loved it. I loved my job. But to try to make ends meet, I was working a lot of different side hustles and I was trying really, really hard to find a supplemental income. Right. Uh, So I did everything from reading, tutoring to 
keto coaching. I got certified in group fitness and I'd have friends pay me to work out with them. I did teeth whitening with a friend for a while and tried investing in her salon. I bought sublimation equipment and I started Mm -hmm. and I taught myself how to make shirts and tumblers and mugs. Um, I would do graphic design and help people make logos. If there was some money to be made, I was trying to figure out how to do it. Understandable. So um, I was working all these various side hustles, but I just found myself getting um, caught up more and more in a poverty cycle. And I just, I became single. I stayed single a lot longer than I ever thought. I've been single five years. So this idea of a dual income felt pretty elusive. You know, it was like, okay, well, (laughs) I'm not, I haven't met anybody. And so the financial pressure was all on me. I didn't get child support. I don't really have help from my family. Um, So I was just like trying really, really hard as a single mom. Mm -hmm. And there was a friend on Facebook who posted um, maybe in May or something that she had made $10,000 on OnlyFans that month. Yeah, that's a lot of money. And so I was like, wow, maybe if I joined the site, I could pay my car off, get out of credit card debt. I never anticipated leaving teaching, but Mm -hmm. I was looking for a financial kind of um, opportunity that all these little side hustles was not giving to me. (laughs) So I was like, okay, I'm going to start this page. I was going to have the month of July off of work. And I was just going to see how it went. I really started off with just some nude photos. That was it. And um, my very last day of break from work or before break, my very last day of the school year, we had a conversation in the office about OnlyFans. Mm-hmm. My coworker actually was said she w- was thinking of starting an OnlyFans. But that she might have her husband do it first because gay men love him. And my (laughs) boss got really excited and was like, yeah, you both should start an OnlyFans. You should sell your panties on OnlyFans. Men love panties. Well, Mm -hmm. in my mind, I was like, great. My boss is encouraging me to do this. Um, This really sounds like an opportunity that's going to be able to like help me get my head above water. So that was a Thursday. I am now on my summer break and I kind of start promoting my page on Facebook. Um, you know, sexy photos, but you know that you can't show anything on Facebook. So it's from here up, you know, and, um, because I know I have to get fans. So I was, I already knew I had some idea that I needed a pipeline. And so I start promoting on Facebook and, um, this 
blogger in the area. He's a right-wing conservative blogger. I had Hmm. heard of him because he does like to target teachers in the area. It's a really strange situation because this man was a journalist with the local news stations and he's a little crazy. So he got fired from the news stations in the area. So what he decides to do is start a blog and he he uses his blog to attack local private citizens in the area. Everyone from police officers, um, like representatives, Mm -hmm. he really loves to target gay people and teachers. And so I had heard of him because I was a teacher and I had came across some crazy article or something that he had written about um, a few months before this. And um, he I was at the gym and he messages me on that Sunday And basically tells me, like, I know you're a teacher. I know you have an OnlyFans page. I'm going to write an article about you. That very same day or within minutes, he also emailed work. And I found out because on my way home from the gym after he had messaged me, my a coworker of mine called me and was like, "What is going on? Like this guy has sent this email. I wanted to check on you. I'm very concerned. What's happening?" And of course, you can imagine I'm feeling like panicked and scared because my boss had just encouraged me to start a page three days prior. <laughs> Right. And uh, she, I, I knew that he didn't have his work email on his phone. So she told me, like, she had intercepted it. And she was like, I just had to call you and tell you. Um, and then uh, that was a Sunday. Two days later, they called me in to fire me from my job. And... Um, It was like devastating. It was the scariest thing in my life. And then I think a few days later, the article came out about me. Mm -hmm. Very defamatory, very disgusting. Like um, he really should work for the National Enquirer or something because he could he takes a shred of truth and spins it into, you know, I think people love that gossip and they like salacious Mm -hmm. Articles and, uh, you know, this whole idea of cancel culture, um, you know, he's really using all of that to his advantage by really trying to ruin people's lives and livelihoods. You know, not only does he write horrible articles about people, but he also tries getting them (laughs) fired, too, you know. So (laughs) going kind of 
what was your first split second or did you have that sort of kind of feeling when you got the call saying, Hey, Sarah, we need to speak with you in the office or however that transpired down. What was your first kind of instinct? And then of course, follow-up question to that was what was your thoughts? I know it was a short, short timing right after you found out that you were being terminated, but what was going through your heads or hey, your head, I should say, right afterwards? a lot of fear because I had only had my OnlyFans page a couple of weeks. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really know if it was something I was going to stay with. I had made a little bit of money, but in my mind, that was like gas money. Um. So, you know, you could imagine it's like really scary that this person is trying to ruin your life when I wasn't harming anybody. I wasn't doing anything illegal. My boss had just encouraged me to start the page. Um, And then even more interesting in my story, which I haven't talked about a lot, is the fact that I was a civilian teacher at a military facility and I have endured a lot of sexual harassment at that job. So I'm actually finally starting the process of um, filing an inquiry with the EEOC about that because Mm -hmm. it's just very interesting to me that for years and years that employer was okay with me being sexually harassed, harassed, and stalked by a soldier there for years, I even had to get a protective order against him. That was all Whoa. good and okay as long as I was quiet about it. But the moment I right. tried to empower myself in my sexuality and monetize it, everyone loses their mind and has a problem over it. So, yes, wow. I mean, the story gets a little, a lot more interesting, I think. Because there's a lot of components to it that people don't know because lots of journalists go and write stories without talking to the person. They write about people, Mm -hmm. you know, even uh, the blogger that wrote about me, like he didn't know my story. He didn't know that my boss had just encouraged me to start an OnlyFans. He didn't know that I had been getting sexually harassed for years and I'd been stayed quiet about Mm. it. Because I was a single mom afraid to lose my job. Um, Yeah, so I feel like that's all like really interesting components. And that has actually been something I haven't talked about on podcast about the sexual harassment, actually, that I endured at work. Well, first off, that's, you know... Sorry that even happened and to you and really it's I mean I'm sure it happens quite a bit unfortunately then we just nobody ever nobody says anything and nobody does anything let's just be honest unfortunately and I think that's pathetic but it's the world that we live in <clears throat> going back to this guy have you ever I mean knowing that the obviously the teachers and the principals and everybody else there obviously they know who this guy is and he's practically a piece of garbage and then some and he's this that and something else how how much info i mean did he literally brainwash him to get to that point to where he got his goal wasn't set even though they knew about how this yeah, guy was i don't know if anyone at work had really known about his blog or under 
understood his gotcha. motives. You know, in my opinion, he really has a severe mental illness. There is something not right with him. Um, but I don't think people like had that idea. And I actually what happened was my boss's boss found out about it. And so oh he moved forward with the firing. You know, my boss, my boss actually cried the day I got fired. He, I know he would not have fired me. Um, right. But, you know, he also did not bring up during my firing the fact that he encouraged me to start a page and I do feel highly disappointed in that because I understand people when it comes to your job people are going to protect their job no matter what mm -hmm. um, especially being fired and losing my job and I got fired on a world stage, everybody around the world has known yep. about my firing. So it wasn't even something like hum I, there was no privacy to the humiliation I was put through. It was on display, um, you know, probably 50% of the people were compassionate and understanding why I started an OnlyFans and then the other 50% have their own issues around sex and sexuality and women mm -hmm. and uh, were happy I was fired. So it was devastating. It was devastating. I knew I was getting fired because I was on summer break and they call me up to say, right. hey, I need you to bring your laptop in and you need to be at the office at two o'clock. So, you know, I go there knowing what's happening, but also very scared because I don't know what's happening. And now there's this blogger, you know, my my employer is not standing up for me and this blogger is threatening to write a crazy article about me, which I think is why they fired me, you know, that... They felt like it was going to be bad for the program, but, um, you know, it's going right. to be really bad for the program when I file this sexual harassment suit. <laughs> and um, I'm talking with a lawyer now too <laughs> about a defamation suit as well against the blogger. Mm -hmm. um, you know, you just you can't do things to people without accountability, you know. Right. Well, I'm kind of glad you brought that up because kind of leading to the next uh, question was how in the world did he not get in trouble when he released uh, pictures from my kind of research, you know, kind yeah. of digging some research and at least be presentable to you. How did he not get arrested or face any type of charge or something when he uh, posted pictures of you? And obviously without. Yeah, that's been the difficult part is trying to get some recourse for everything that happened mm -hmm. um, because there's a lot of layers to this. Like not only did he defame me and write you know, false accusations. You know, one of the things he said was that I made kids call me by my porn name. Well, first of all, I wasn't doing porn. I was selling nude right. photos at the time. That was it. Second of all, right. because I worked at a military facility, 
every person on staff had a nickname that we used at work. So mine was Buttercup, mm-hmm. and that was what kids called me. With, that was my teaching name. I loved it. I was very nice. proud of it. It was kind of this nickname. But, you know, when I started OnlyFans, um, there is kind of an element of safety that I was thinking about. So I didn't use my real name as a username. I just used Buttercup. Like, I've used Buttercup on almost every dating profile that I've had. Like, it was just (laughs) a username. It wasn't anything other than that. It was a username. And so he twisted that and said... I made kids call me by my poor name. Well, first of all, I was at that job for six years. You know, that was my teaching name. I had only had OnlyFans for a couple weeks before I got fired. Like, nobody was calling me that name. It was not a porn (laughs) name. It might be now. Like, maybe I'll, if I go into porn, I'll be surprised. Maybe that'll be my name. But. The the twisted <laughs> way he took that, it really right. devastated me. He called me a groomer. Um, those things really broke my heart. Um, and that's why it's been hard to not be able to have any recourse up until this point. Because not only did he defame me, not only did he write these really grotesque things about me that just weren't true. Um, he did revenge porn me. So he went on to my OnlyFans page, purchased mm-hmm. my pictures, and then distributed them on Facebook and Twitter. So it's so interesting for me, for someone who claimed to be so worried mm-hmm. about kids accessing these photos of me, which there are no kids on OnlyFans. Like, you have to be of age. You have to have right. a credit card. It's a private adult platform. Yeah. Um, here he is distributing my photos on social media platforms for everyone to see as a way to humiliate me. So I've had no recourse for the revenge porn. I've had no recourse for the defamation. And, you know, every time I turn around, he twists things, calls me a liar. When I first started OnlyFans, I had a free page. Again, I didn't really know what I was doing. I hadn't been on the platform. I wasn't a user on the platform, so everything was new to me, but my page itself was clean. It was a clean page. There was zero nudity Mm -hmm. on my OnlyFans page. The only way a person could access nude photos of me was by sending a private message and purchasing them from behind a paywall. So when I explained my page is clean, you know, he twists that around and calls me a liar. Yeah, that my page wasn't clean. My page was clean. When I started that um, page, I was very careful about that. And, you know, in my mind, being a single woman, you know, I feel like 
this idea of virtual sex has become Mm -hmm. morally and culturally acceptable. I've been on dating sites. If I look at almost anybody's phone and check their DM messages and their text messages, I'm probably Mm going to find nude photos. I mean, let's be real. The dick pic (laughs) culture is rampant. Um, Sexting, it even has its own term. If you're on a date a dating site for any amount of time, you've probably video chatted, you've probably sexted, you've probably exchanged mm-hmm. nude photos. So it's interesting to me that as a single woman, participating in that behavior in the dating culture or on Facebook Messenger or Instagram DM, that's fine. Mm-hmm. It's morally and socially acceptable. But the minute as a woman, I go on a platform and monetize it, everybody loses their mind. So <laughs> when when I think about this, it really uh, is very upsetting, you know, because of the fact that there are experiences that you're going to have as a woman in this culture that really um, simultaneously tell you to repress your sexuality, but you're also going to be sexualized. So it's interesting when people will say to me, like, OnlyFans is not empowering to women. I can't believe you say that it's empowering And my response to that is for someone to understand how a woman feels empowered on OnlyFans, you have to understand all the ways in the culture that she feels disempowered, especially when it comes to her sexuality. Mm -hmm. And she, when, when a woman feels like she's not able to own her sexuality and it's like, the rape culture. I've been raped. My first sexual experience in college was a rape, a date rape. Sexual harassment culture. Again, referencing mm-hmm. my um, working as a civilian teacher in a military facility. I was sexually harassed for years and years. Police had to get involved. Um, now you have wow. revenge porn which is the latest way of using technology to weaponize a woman's body and sexuality against her. So it's like these very specific cultures targeting women and their sexuality in ways that men don't experience, you know? Right. And it's interesting, but it's true. I think, you know, and we, I had Brenda Tracy, the founder or the founder of uh, set the expectation and her story is, you know, it's really, you know, heavy, but the same situation to an extent, you know, um, she was gang raped and everything else by athletes at a certain university. And, you know, and she goes on and, you know, she literally does presentations across the country and brings her story to the, to life. And, <clears throat> but, uh, you know, it's what breaks my heart. I think more than anything is the fact that 
we look at women and I'm talking to myself as, as well as, as we look at all, oh, you know, so you know, she's fine, this, that, and something else. But we fail to realize that they also have lives. They also have kids. They also have a husband or whatever, the, you know, their preferences, um, what the case may be. But we live, I think we live in a culture, Sarah, that we just idolize so, something or, you know, not so much idolize, but we're just so, the world says it's okay to yes. do whatever. I- rape or sexual assault or anything oh it's okay slap on the wrist give them a cookie and and push them on down the road and the woman gets you know ptsd from it and all kinds of other issues yes and i feel like we live in such a culture that on one hand is obsessed with sex i mean i think i read somewhere that Pornhub gets like three billion views a day billion Mm -hmm. we're like we're obsessed with sex but we also shame people for sex we shame people's sexuality we shame people's bodies and so we're caught in this conundrum of trying to suppress the fact that we are sexual beings And, you know, Mm -hmm. after I did the Dr. Phil show, it made me think a lot about OnlyFans. And I was thinking about the popularity of OnlyFans. Like during COVID, when OnlyFans got really, really popular, it makes sense because we as humans Mm -hmm. are sexual, social and emotional animals, beings, right? And all of a sudden, we are isolated. Our ability to be sexual has diminished. Our ability to be social Mm -hmm. and emotional has diminished. And so what happens? You get a site that you can be sexual, you can be social, you can be emotional, and it's safe. It's virtual. It's fun, you know. Um, but instead of embracing this beautiful virtual sex platform, everyone goes, they get triggered by it because of their own mm-hmm. programming and their own issues around sex and what they've been told about sex. And I just, the more I'm on the platform, I love advocating for it because there are so many beautiful and good reasons to be on that platform. And what I really love about it is because it's transactional, it takes all the manipulation away, right? That manipulation where men feel like, well, I really want to have sex with her, but I have to let her think that I'm trying to date her, right? It's like (laughs) dating sites don't work because there's this manipulative component. Nobody's being honest on there, right? Lots of people aren't even really single. No. But you go on OnlyFans and it's honest and it's transactional. So there's Mm -hmm. not a sense of feeling like, you were used or somebody deceived you. Um, And because of that, I feel like it's 
healthier for everybody. Um, it's virtual, so it's just literally the safest sex that you can have. You think about why should people be on uh, OnlyFans? And it's funny because my story, because I was on dating sites and I really hate the hookup culture. I hate the hookup culture. I'm not made for it. I'm like a relationship person. Um, Like, I really felt like dating sites treat women like sexual consumables. So I actually became celibate, and I was celibate for a really long time during my singleness um, because I hated Mm -hmm. hookups so much. So when I started OnlyFans as a teacher... I was celibate and I stayed celibate until recently. I've started making some content with um, other people and stuff, but I stayed celibate for months and months until I felt comfortable on the platform, till I felt like I knew what I was going to do. But I was like, what an awesome platform for someone single to like have another person to masturbate with. You know, mm-hmm. it's it, it's interactive. <laughs> like people, they don't even <laughs> like talking about the word masturbation. Like it freaks people out. But I'm like, masturbation mm-hmm. is such a healthy thing for people. And especially if you're single, you're masturbating a lot. Um, and it's more yeah. fun to do it with someone. But also like you don't <laughs> have to risk STDs. You don't have to risk um, unplanned Mm -hmm. pregnancies. You don't have to, like for me, because I've had some sexual trauma, like I don't have to actually like be physical with someone when I'm not ready for that. So if you look at the platform and all the good that it could really do for our culture, it's like sexual trauma people can work through their sexual trauma in a very safe way it's all virtual it's good you know even for me now like i'm doing video chats um there Mm -hmm. was a 23 year old man and he did a video chat with me and he's a virgin and i was like it's a yeah, but it's like it's a good way to like practice and get kind of used to this idea of like sharing your body. And I think he kind of felt like now that he's older, he's 23 and still a virgin, kind of mm-hmm. self-conscious about it. So I was able to like talk right. him through it, give him some confidence. It was fun, you know. Um there's men on my page that uh, one guy, he's a widow, and, you know, he's, like, grieving the loss of his wife, but he's still horny. He's still sexual. So why not? Right. Get You know what I mean? Why not? Get on OnlyFans. <laughs> do your thing. Me, you know? <laughs> I'll buy some mm-hmm. content. I love it. Super nice guy. Um, there's another guy who um, his wife has early onset Alzheimer's. And so he told me, he was oh, like, no. I don't want to cheat on her, but I don't feel comfortable initiating sex. Man. Mad respect for him. 
I know. Yeah, and mad so respect. it's like I kind of get to be a stand-in hmm. for that person, you know. Or I think about right people who are autistic or maybe they have other disabilities where they don't have a sexual partner or finding a sexual partner socially is difficult. What about them? Why why not mm-hmm. promote something like OnlyFans where they can still like, you know, when you just watch porn, it's static, you know, but if you can have an interactive yep. experience, it's better. It's healthier. Um, you know, there's just so many, there's so many people that could be served by virtual sex if we opened our mind and we opened our hearts to how it could be good and of service instead of just blowing it off like this is bad this is disgusting I can't believe a teacher got on OnlyFans well hello I'm still a human (laughs) I'm a sexual being as a woman you know and I've had my own issues around sex and my own traumas and so in that way it's been good for me Um, and I will say every time I am able that the men that are on OnlyFans that are my fans are the kindest, most supportive, respectful, consensual mm-hmm. men. Like they are good men. So that's the other thing that I want to like really talk about and advocate because it's so interesting because in so many ways women have like you're sexualized you have all these cultures but the same is true for men like we mess men up in so many ways like I'll have men that message me because they have their own body insecurities over the size of their penis Mm -hmm. And I'm like, what Right. do we do to people that make people feel like their bodies are so wrong all the time? Mm-hmm. And I'm very body positive, very, I've lost a lot of weight. I'm still curvy. I'm st- still fit, you know? Um, right. But my <laughs> mantra has always been like, all bodies are good bodies, you know? So that was eye opening mm-hmm. for me as a woman to see the other side. And these insecurities that, like, I feel like women get a lot of insecurities about being beautiful and looking young and having this perfect body. But the same is true for men. And I feel like uh, what really bothers me in our culture is this idea of nice guys finish last. If you're kind and respectful to a woman, you're a simp. There's always some new derogatory term for a nice man. Mm -hmm. I don't like it. Like, I feel like it's really wrong. It's really warped. No, I'm with you on that one because it's all what goes back to. It goes back to, well, nice guys, you know, it's happened to me and I'm sure it happened to other guys with women is, well, he's too nice because he wants one thing. Well, no, we're just being, we're being nice, but I mean, everybody wants, you know, sex. obviously we'll sex is great, but, there, but yes, 
Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, we understand we all want it, but you know, we we failed to to realize that there are actually still nice people out there, but the culture wants to wants to separate that and make the world, or at least make this country yes. seem like there's more bad people than good people. And it brings like a top, like what you brought up is body shaming. And yeah. well, a woman has to have a certain breast size or a butt size or whatever the case may be. They have to be curvy. They have to yeah. be thick. Be curvy, to be but not too curvy. Whatever the case may be. Exactly. <laughs> so, you know, it goes. Yes. You know, she's too skinny or, you know, or. Uh, it, yeah. And I can't win for Adam. And um, what was so hard for me was a lot of the media tried to villainize me. And I am like such a kind, yep. compassionate, empathetic person. And, you know, especially in the beginning, I had never been in the media and my God, I would have never wanted to be in the media for something bad. (laughs) Um, I was like, where was my article when I was working five jobs as a single mom and a teacher in a poverty cycle? There was no article. Like nobody cared when I did all the good girl things, you know, well, and that's the thing. Nobody, nobody wants to hear about the good. They want to hear, oh, Sarah yes, got beat yeah. up by three women. I'm just Teacher pulling something started out there. An but, only fans yeah, page. We don't want to. You know, and so that was really hard. And it was hard to read comments about myself because people read an article, they assume, they judge, not even just Mm -hmm. from the story, but even like being body shamed, (laughs) like that came along with it. So it was a very, it was really hard on my mental health. It was a very dark, uh, confusing time because once that blogger ran the article, the next thing I knew, the New York Post I was on Barstool Sports. I never mm-hmm. heard of them. I was the Daily Star in the UK was writing about me. Yeah. Yeah, they, they say, loved yeah, to write UK. about me. Um, I had this influx of Brazilian followers on my Instagram page because, yeah, Brazil. I was in Brazil, Scotland, Australia. Um, I think... I think Italy, I think my story has hit almost every country. You might have even hit, you I might have I even did. hit Antarctica. You never know. <laughs> I bet they can have sex to stay warm up there. I would. Yeah, I would have to agree on that one. I don't know if I could, Same. I don't know if I could do that one. That Indiana's be, uh, too, too cold, cold for, for me. me. Yeah. I'm here in Oklahoma or here in Oklahoma City put it out there um yeah we uh we don't get as cold as you guys up there but we do have our we you got do. our moments we have our yeah, tornadoes we, we i guess get some tornadoes too cool. i don't think as bad as you guys but we do too yeah that's that's our fun i guess but but you know going back and your know, mental health is a big thing that we I think everybody, including myself, I don't think we put too much into into because yes. a lot of people struggle with a lot of stuff. When you're reading through the comments and when you're reading through God knows what else that people want to say, what was you going to bed laying down thinking like, man, this, you know, what was how was your mental state reading all those? Lots oh, of I'm sure tears, quite a bit of negativity. Lots of tears. And I 
I talk about this openly because I feel like the more transparent I can be about my story, the more helpful it is to people. I don't feel like it's so helpful when you only talk about the shiny part and how you got through something, right? Mm -hmm. Um, But there were like many, many suicidal nights that I got myself through. Um, Like even up until recently where I got to the point where I was like, okay, Sarah, you have to go... Get, uh, get some medicine for this. Like you have to seek some help um, because I don't want to get myself through another night like that. Um, so it was months and months of up and down. I got back into the gym and that helps my mental health a lot. But I think I just kind of felt like mm-hmm. I could white knuckle it. But really realizing and understanding like what that blogger did was traumatize me. Like he put me through a very traumatic event and I've had a lot of trauma in my life. So with the backstory of everything, like my finances last year were so bad. I was already experiencing a lot of depression and suicidal ideation you know, um, so mm. people don't know those things. Like when you're in an article or even that blogger writing about me, my mental health was already not good because my finances weren't good. Right. So oftentimes things like that are very linked where I was feeling hopeless as a teacher. Like, well, what am I going to do? And I'm very protective of my kids. So you know, lots of people when you're single, I feel like at a certain point, they're like, I'm just gonna date anybody. I got to have someone move in here. We got to, I need someone to split the rent, Mm -hmm. right? And I just would never, I could never do that, you know, where I was like, my kids need stability more than I need someone splitting the rent with me. So that was why I was like, well, OnlyFans sounded like a viable option. You know, it's legal. I pay taxes on it. I wasn't hurting anybody. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's interesting because I do feel like although I got bad publicity or whatever, um, I (laughs) believe that virtual sex and OnlyFans is only going to get more and more popular and more and more culturally accepted. I think especially, like, I'm 41, but, like, this younger generation, especially younger women, they're growing up with this Mm -hmm. idea of OnlyFans. They're growing up with this sense of empowerment and I can monetize my body and my sexuality. So I really feel like, although I took the brunt of it, it's almost like trailblazing for younger women. Uh, So that my hope is that I can do some advocacy so that other women don't have to go through what I went through, that they don't have to get revenge porn without somebody being held accountable for it. And that they're not going to have to worry about their primary income source being threatened by also 
being on OnlyFans. So I always like to, you know, after I did the Dr. Phil show, I was thinking a lot about this idea of a sex worker. And even though I get called a sex worker a lot, it didn't quite resonate with me because I'm not, especially when I was celibate, like Mm -hmm. I'm not having sex with I'm not having sex with nobody. Like I'm not doing any of this in person. So I like to say like e-sex worker or virtual sex worker to sort of differentiate that. Um, And what's interesting about an e-sex worker is the e-sex worker is the mom next door, the teacher next door, the um, librarian. I think, yes, the yep. face of sex worker is changing. The face of sex worker is changing. And that brings up an interesting point is the next question would be, I would say, is obviously you're obviously in OnlyFans, you know, doing things within OnlyFans. So, <clears throat> excuse me. You see OnlyFans. Now there's podcasts starting to come out. A lot of people are using that to yeah. use as another platform for their podcast. <laughs> Excuse me, so on and so forth. I mean, you have podcasts, you got not even just even, I would say, you know, sex worker even selling your pictures. But I mean, you got all kinds of content creators at this point. Do you see, since you are obviously more involved than I am with OnlyFans, do you see this thing being the next big mega? Yeah. Not so much of a social media thing, even though it's starting to get there. And I'm sure you would consider that. But could you see OnlyFans being a big thing and maybe eventually the more and more women yes. and, and you I'm know sure that's the interesting thing not, is like you know, there are men on them, OnlyFans but... and there are men making content with female content makers. But you never hear about the men. You never hear about men losing their jobs or anything like the women are having sex with somebody, right? So there's also still that double standard, (laughs) but I do. And it's because virtual sex is already accepted. The dick pic culture, the sexting, the Mm -hmm. dating hookup culture, the dating site culture, it's out there. And I... The virtual sex is happening. Now, people don't like women empowering themselves and monetizing it, but I think that's going to happen more and more. And I think men are like, like, okay, like men are okay with the transaction of it. Like, I want to see your body. I will pay you for this. Everyone's happy. Everyone feels good about it, you know, mm-hmm. and I feel good about it as a woman. Like, oh, that's all. That's what you wanted. OK, let's do this. One. Um, <laughs> I think. Yeah, right. It's never going away. It's only going to become more popular. It's only going to become more socially acceptable. Um, now, the right wing I, and I'm not a political person, but the very religious people, the very right wing people. No, um, they like to project that they're not okay with it all, but they're still engaging with it. They're still doing it. They're just not open about it. Um, So that's my hope is that we can just, let's start having conversations about sex. Let's start breaking down some of these programs about Mm -hmm. sex that we've been told and let's um, create some healing and 
make sex enjoyable for people. Like there's no reason we shouldn't make it enjoyable. The only thing that I do think about is um, the other side of it when I think about it as a mom. Because now I think about, Mm -hmm. okay, virtual sex has become so popular. Everyone has technology. Kids have technology. So this idea where there were lots of people, they were like, students would be able to find you on OnlyFans. They're not going to find me on OnlyFans, but they are going to find Pornhub. They are going to find their parents' DMs. Mm -hmm. So that is where I'm like, whoa. I think becoming a sex worker myself has made me realize that I got to talk to my kids about this sooner. Like parents need to talk to their kids about it sooner than they ever thought. Um, because like when I was younger, we, I, we didn't have this, like porn was on VHS or something. Like I had no experience with that. Um, Mm -hmm. so I remember I was in the car with my kids, they're 10, almost 11. And I said to my kids and I was like, wow, I really feel like as your mom, I need to talk to you about sex before I ever thought I was going to have to. And my son said, yeah, like he knew what sex was. He was like, it's when a boy <laughs> puts his penis in a girl's vagina, whatever. And I was like, he's 10, he's still in elementary school. If I would have not said that, he would not have told, like, he was not going to bring that up to me. So, what it's done for me as a parent yeah. is made me more aware of this and more aware of the fact like I got to have these talks with my kids so that they don't grow up with the shame and repression that I grew up with that most people did. Um, And I, you know, having age appropriate Mm -hmm. conversations, you know, I was surprised, brought it up to my kids and I told them I was like, you know, I want to make sure that you guys feel comfortable coming to mom at some point, you know, they're like, ew, that's gross. But I'm like, at some point, you're going to want to have sex. And I would so much mm-hmm. rather you ask me so that I can get you condoms, get you on birth to control. Um, and then my daughter was like, well, that's going to be awkward to ask you, mom. And I said, only if we've never talked about it and you feel like you can't come to me about it. So I feel like as a parent, man, what a gift now I can give my kids because I'm not head in the sand pretending that they're not exposed to that. So that Mm -hmm. is like the one thing that I was thinking and I was like, I wish as a parent that there was some other kid safe internet you know, there really isn't. And I think we need to be more, we, because virtual sex is, has been accepted and it's a part of our lives. It's never going away. Technology is never Mm -hmm. going away. Our, um, accountability as a parent, 
parenting our kids through this is higher. It's going to have to be. Um, because yeah. I was like kind of shocked myself from what my kids said, you know, and my kids just go to a regular public school, you know, it's like mm-hmm. <laughs> they, but I was well, exactly. myself. So I think well, that's the other side of the coin that I've been thinking about a lot is man, how do we kind of insulate and educate our kids? And, you know, I think what really saddens me is all of these right-wing conservatives who love calling people and teachers groomers who even mention something about, yeah, age-appropriate sex education should be taught in schools. They just throw their hands up and call you a groomer. Absolutely. And it's like, man, you are doing these kids such a disservice by – putting that shame and then trying to shame the adults that are trying to advocate, you know, (laughs) Mm -hmm. so we're sexual beings. Like even my kids, they're, they're kind of preteen. You got to talk about bodies changing all that stuff, but age appropriate, um, you know, and I don't think necessarily all sex education should fall on the schools. It really should fall on parents. But we have so many issues with sex ourselves. We won't even talk about the word masturbation with our kids. Mm-hmm. So what hope do we have if we won't? <laughs> you know what I mean? It's just the cycle <laughs> of shame. Our bodies are shameful. Our body being sexual is shameful. When it's really not. And if we could just, again, open our minds and our hearts up um, to this idea that we're sexual beings, you know, and sex in our bodies should be one of the most beautiful, healing, exciting parts of being human, in my opinion, you know. Well, I think it goes back to, you know, I I got three kids of my own and we I always tell them, you know, you got to do, you got to, come on, you got to do, obviously, whoa, you got to, we're going to go with this. Oh, you got to work with the teacher to be both successful. I mean, the teacher can only do so much and the parent can only do so much. And that's where we get the teammate thing. But nowadays we want to. Yes. Cancel teachers. Cancel literally everything. We want, yeah, we want to. Well, we can't, you know, driver's ed should be, you know, whatever the case may be. Sex ed, you know, here in Oklahoma, yeah, you know, practically you can be a teacher have and not have a degree at this point. They made but. it so miserable to be a teacher that so many teachers are fleeing the profession. Like you're not paid enough. You're not treated mm-hmm. respectfully and kindly by kids or parents or administrators. You're told all you got to do is test, 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 test the kids. So the teachers aren't having fun. The kids sure as hell aren't having fun because they got to get tested three times a week. You know, it's like teachers should not be in poverty cycles. I'm sorry, period. I should have been paid better as a teacher. There should have been zero reason for me as an educator in the United States of America to become a sex worker and hop on OnlyFans. You know, if I wanted to join OnlyFans because I wanted to express my sexuality, 
fine. But it shouldn't have been because I'm shopping at Dollar Tree for my kids for food. It's ridiculous. You know, mm-hmm. so I feel like that's my rebuttal to anyone that, that wants to be judgmental of me is like, pay the teachers, start respecting the teachers. And I feel like we won't do it. You're not, they're not, they refuse our government, our school systems refuse to pay the teachers. But there's money for the military. There's money for other things. But you will not invest in our schools. You won't invest in teachers. And you won't invest in our children. Where are our priorities? I like like you brought that up because the fact that, uh, you know, my biggest thing was that at the time, this is going on, what, 20, that was 18, 16. So that was almost six, seven years ago now at this point position I was holding at the time, I made more money than a lot of the, and I was working within the school district, I held a position that I made more than a lot of these teachers were, and at the time I had no college degree. And here I am sitting at, you know, at the time, what, seven years ago, 28, could be 35 March. So seven years ago, I'm making more than a lot of these teachers were in Oklahoma City, but yet, and I'm glad you brought that up, is where are our priorities at? Because here in Oklahoma City, and especially here in Midwest City, where I'm at, is is we put you know Thank six, you. seven, eight million into high school football stadiums. We got to we got to build a brand new weight room and the athletic field house. And but and speaking to myself as well, in seventh grade, we had no books growing up. But by God, the team that suffered eight losses in the 10 game season, they get a brand, brand new stadium. Yeah, it's I, everywhere. I, I just, and I and that's just I not here. No like I can guarantee that's across the state. You know where our priorities are because you can trace the money. And it's like we're not yep. funding the things that we say are important to us. Be Otherwise, kids would be number one. But, you know, it's like. Nobody can find a way to make schools profitable, right? They don't make money. And we're a capitalistic society. You know who Mm -hmm. does make money off of schools? Testing companies. They were the smart ones and they found a way. And so now every teacher has to test the kids to death for what? For nothing. You know, and you have COVID that happened and you have kids that are several years behind grade level. They are several years behind socially and emotionally. And nobody Mm -hmm. said or did anything to address these things. You just shove them right back into the classroom and it's the teacher's problem. Well, you know what? You're reaping what we're sowing because teachers are leaving the profession. You know, they're going to all join OnlyFans after this podcast, but it's sad. It's sad (laughs) because my kids go to public (laughs) schools. Lots of my friends are teachers. The, I worked with tons of amazing teachers at my last profession where they would come and bring their kids to the program. They're all burned out. They're all overwhelmed. They're all in a poverty cycle. You know, one teacher, she was amazing, and she was telling me she was finishing up her master's degree. And she told me she was like, I am finishing school, and my loans for my master's degree are going to be more than my mortgage. 
And you know she's not getting a raise teaching fifth graders with a master's. So then it's like, well, no, that was dumb. Why? Why? There's no benefit to going and continuing your education. But she was an amazing teacher. She had a heart for kids. She wanted to be a master level teacher. It doesn't make any sense, you know. And it's even more ironic because the last uh, place that I taught. My job was to encourage kids to choose a STEM career in life because STEM careers pay you well and they're interesting jobs. Wow. Isn't that the irony? You know? Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I think because of everything I've been through, I'm just at the point of like um, calling it all out. You know, it's like, will you say this is important to you, but you're not paying the teachers. You want to dog me for joining mm-hmm. OnlyFans. I shouldn't have been, I should not have been in a poverty cycle as a teacher in the United States of America, period. There is no rebuttal to that sentence. There's no rebuttal. There's nothing anybody can say to that because they know it's true, even though nothing's going to change. Well, no, you're right, <clears throat> and that excuse me, nothing will change. And uh, I think it's just a profession that, you know, I know my brother's in. You know, I know he's a teacher. I don't really talk <laughs> to him, so sure I can't really does. speak on his behalf. Yeah. But I'm sure he probably hates it. I don't know. He may love it. Yeah, I don't know. I but don't. You know, I, I don't sadder, talk to the dude, so like, I don't know. Uh, but I'm just gonna say probably so. But the kids, man, the kids, mm-hmm. like, what are we doing, like? They should have teachers that are being paid so well. They're so happy. They're so joyous. They're not depressed and suicidal because they can't pay their bills, you know, that they got to slap a fake smile on Mm -hmm. um, because the energy of the teacher affects the energy of that classroom, you know, and it's like give the teacher support, give the kids support. If we don't. It's going to get dire. You know, you have, I just read an article about high school students. I can't remember where they were from, Um, but they took the testing scores of the high school students and like six out of 10 of the high school students were reading at middle school or some of them elementary school. Like first and second grade, these are high school students. Like That's sad. it's a problem. It's a problem. I don't know who I need to talk to about it, but you know, it's like if it doesn't get addressed and if we don't really start prioritizing the right things, we're just going to reap that in our culture, you know. We're we're seeing it now. I Miss Sarah teaching. Yes, I realized at a certain point that I needed to grieve that job. I needed to grieve that 20 years, you know, um, I did. I loved being a teacher. And I think what's even sadder is my, when I started that job, my kids were in preschool and I taught fifth graders and this year my kids are in fifth grade and they were supposed mm-hmm. they were supposed to come to the program and oh. be in mommy's class. That really killed me um, because probably the last year with my kids was all about you're going to be in fifth grade. You're going to come on the field trip. 
I had just gone and talked to the principal about getting their school to our program because they had never been. Like my mm-hmm. kids were going to be in my class and I was going to make them proud. You know, mommy's a teacher. Mommy's the fun teacher that all the kids love. Um, there's <laughs> been a lot of heartbreak this year. There's been a lot of heartbreak. And, you know, the way that blogger has okay. defamed me, um, I, I don't really see a way of going back to teaching or being able to work with kids, you know, in the, in any capacity. So that's been really difficult. You know, that's all I've known. It was my identity for 20 years. I was a teacher, you know, and I loved it. I love kids and I'm a mom and, um, yeah, that was hard. I would say I miss it. And, um, you know, kids will always have a special place in my heart. Of course. No, I respect that. And I'm sure it's a tough time. And I know we talk about all kinds of things, um, isolation, this, that, and something else. And one thing I think is a major part, I'm sure, and hopefully you've had it is, has there been support during this time? And, you know, regarding people reaching out or can you, I know, unfortunately, I got to bring it up. Some people always, bad things happen. Then everybody gets left abandoned. So, I mean, not everybody's blessed with with Um, people that support them. Have you had a good support group during this time? But they've been lovely. You know, like I don't have family. Both of my parents have passed away. Um, I'm estranged from my siblings as well. So I understand that. Um, but I have had like some really beautiful, kind friends uh, that check on me. And I will say to like um, a lot of support on Instagram and OnlyFans, a lot. Like I can't tell you how many people nice. even still today will say, I read an article about you. I came to your OnlyFans page just to support you. Or I read an article about you. I heard you on a podcast. Um, my heart really went out to you. And I'm here to support you. I'm a follower. Um, it's met so much. It's honestly been my lifeline. Um, because it's made me feel less alone, That's awesome. less scared, um, you know, and I've been like very transparent about my mental health issues and how this has all affected me. Cause I am not a headline. I'm a real person and I'm mm-hmm. a real like sensitive person. So right. it was a lot. I went through a lot, you know, <laughs> but I do think that I found like so many kind of people on this journey as well from all over the world, which has been cool too. Um, and also the nicest podcast hosts, I will mm-hmm. say every single podcast um, host has been so kind and let me just be authentic and share my story and um, not been judgmental. They haven't been contentious or anything like that. So I very appreciative of that. Well, I think that's important, especially when it comes to podcasts, because one, you're, you're getting the person. Well, first of all, you're getting their life story out there. They're, they're trusting that individual that, Hey, I, you know, I don't mind coming on, but Hey, you know, you can't, it's a non, as I always say, it's a non-judgmental zone. Um, but uh, I think you have to be when it comes to stuff like that. It's good to hear. Anyway, long story short, it's good to hear that people are like that because 
you know, you're opening up to, a, <coughs> excuse me, you open up to a story that took, yeah. you know, literally your life away in just a matter of seconds from a guy that had no consent of what he did and this, that, and something else. And the fact that podcasts are literally is, heard around yes. the world. And I think too, pretty like impressive it's been anyway. helpful for me and to so, like reclaim my story, reclaim my voice, reclaim my power in the situation, mm-hmm. bring up lots of different topics, things that I've been thinking about, things that I feel like, hey, we should be talking about these things. Why are we not having conversations about these things? I think we could be healthier collectively, individually, if we did bring these things up. So in that sense, it's it's just, it's been so beautiful. And I feel like podcast and storytelling lets you humanize the person. It allows us to see that we're not that different. Mm -hmm. We're more similar than we are different. And also, if you listen to somebody's story, you would know and understand that every one of us has a story that would break your heart if somebody opened up and shared it with you. And I feel like that's why I like to talk about my story because I feel like there's so many themes and so many traumas and so many like just being human that connects us all. And I feel like it allows me to show up as a real person, but also as this like full person. I wasn't just a teacher. I'm not just a mom. I'm not just a sexual person. Like I'm every part of me, you know? And so I feel like that's beautiful Mm -hmm. is because now with OnlyFans, like I can just show up fully as as a full, authentic human in all my power. Like I don't have to hide any parts of me or be ashamed of any part of me. Like I get to just own it all. Mm-hmm. Well, no, I'm a firm believer is what you see is what you're going to get. There's no reason to, no reason to be Sarah 2.0. It's yeah, what you see right. what you're going to well, If you don't you like know, I think it, it also showed me like deuces, when you, know, you show up authentically, the right people find you, the right people like you, the right people mm-hmm. follow you, the right people become fans. And, um, you know, I think that's just as powerful yep. is that you can like, that's the beauty of like the whole being able to be viral is like the viral celebrity, the, the YouTuber, whatever you don't have to, you're not playing by the rules of celebrity. You don't have an agent telling you you have to be this and do this and say this. Like, no, you get to show up exactly who you are and you create a following from that. And it's a beautiful and it's powerful, like that you can actually create celebrity for yourself just by being yourself. It's cool. Yes. I like that attitude because, uh, you know, you get to certain people and they're like, well, I can come on to your show, yeah. but, you know, I have to, and I always ask people, you know, what's the topic just in case, because also at the same time, I don't want to disrespect nobody or talk about something that they may feel uncomfortable with. And, uh, you know, I always, get, I always get the response of, well, it's your show, you know, well, yeah. at the same time, I mean. You're like, we got a story to tell. I want to respect you, but, you know, it is so. But, uh 
No, and I think and I think you're right. Going back to that, though, I think your story is powerful, and everybody has. And that's what I think is important to you know. Sometimes it's always good to just to listen to people because you know, not only more do you know, like wow, that person's awesome, or man, I didn't know about this, that, and something else. It's more of them just being open to you and and letting their story impact your life one way or another. Because yeah. you know, your story is going to impact me in one way, and somebody else going to be different, and somebody else over here in yes. Georgia is going to be different, and my listeners over there in West Africa, they're going to be like, oh, that's cool. And whatever the case may be on their end. But I, I think it's cool. And I think it's unfortunately people share the story at the same time. But then unfortunately, they get people that want to twist it or they want to edit. Oh, I want to edit this out yes, to make it sound like this is a like whole really make this person sound like horrible. Why? Like, why put that whatever else. out in the world when you can go and like heal yourself and be happy and healthy and f- like yeah. if you are worried about yourself and your own self-actualization, you should not be worried about what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, like and especially I feel like the like exactly like taking away a single mom's primary income source like you have to have you have to be pretty heartless to do that regardless of whether or not Mm -hmm. you disagreed with me being on OnlyFans. like then don't join don't be a fan you don't you don't have to buy my pictures like you know but i wasn't doing anything other than at the end of the day (laughs) trying to provide for myself and my two kids that's it, you know. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, I always I'm a firm believer if somebody's life is is not going the way that they yes. want it to, then uh, they want to make it somebody else's a life of living hell. And sadly, it's the truth and the way the, the yes. way that this well, world and country lives. And like I think it's spread a lot some of people's memo, but spread uh, some healing, spread some joy. I claim it for myself. I claim it for all of your listeners. I claim it for I claim it for every person because I feel like we're all destined to live our most beautiful, healed lives. Like we deserve it. Final question I'll and I'll want to respect your time is after it's all said and done, what has all of this <gasps> uh, taught you taught you looking back get on it? Too attached to how you think your life is going to be, you know, stay open to the possibility that there's something more for you. And also like when you're going through something Mm -hmm. difficult, you're going through something dramatic, you're going through loss and grief, um, keep looking for the beauty in the ashes, like keep striving to stay optimistic that your highest good is going to come out of this difficult situation. Um, that's what I would say. Like stay, stay positive, stay optimistic and reach out if you need help. Like we all have our own struggles. It's okay. We all go through something. So you are not weak. You are very Amen strong for one. asking for help. I like that. I think uh, that's one thing that uh, a lot of people don't want. Yes. A lot of people don't do simply because they're afraid to because they'll be judged and okay. something, something else. And the last one for sure, last question for you, I promise it's going to be easy. To women out there, or men or women, but let's put it toward, towards women, women yep. out there that feel hesitant 
they want to start an OnlyFans, but they're really scared of what the yes. the world could potentially cause them, which could lead to unfortunate all kinds yeah, of things. I would say Any advice on those ones that's on the fence about joining when it comes your to job or, or family members or something, maybe don't do it. You really have to be at the point of like embracing it all. Um that this is really what you want to do. And, um, you know, OnlyFans is not the easy money that people think. So I would like to give that caveat to that. Um, right. You know, if you're able to do it like on the side and grow into it without feeling like you're going to have a lot of loss like I did, um, then yes, start it. There's so much good. There's so much healing. There's so much self-expression that you can find on your page. I wish it for every woman, but I'm also realistic about what happened to me. I would never want another woman to go through it. And that's why I feel like I need to share my story and advocate so that I can protect women, hopefully in the future. So with that being said, Mike, I got to hop off. I got to go join another podcast. Thank yep. you. Thank you to the listeners. Nope, bye you're bye. good. Thank you so much, Sarah. Sarah, from uh, her journey from a teacher from an Indiana fire wrongfully uh, for having OnlyFans. You've been listening to the Air Attack podcast. Sarah, have a wonderful evening and a great week. Well, you are listening to the Air Attack podcast. Listen to us on all major podcast platforms and uh, subscribe to us on YouTube. To search at Air Raid Attack Podcast. And uh, we are done. Other than that, folks, I'm your host, Mike. I'll see you all next week. Same time, same place. Remember, all brand new episodes release on Thursdays. Take care.